name is Lundy, and welcome to Life in Pieces. This is a podcast that takes an autobiographical view on my life and the little pieces that many may not know. Today is February 20th. We are nearly two full months into 2021, and things are not awesome. Where I live, we saw temps so cold on Monday that the city started doing rolling blackouts to help conserve energy. Now, it's possible I haven't been paying full attention in years past, especially when I first moved here, but this is the first time I can recall that happening here. And winters suck. It's not like this is new. These temperatures are ridiculous, though. It always gets cold. But we saw temps so cold. Ugh, burr. Makes me cold just thinking about it. And then we have Texas, who's received snow, ice, record cold temperatures, a lot of people without power, without water, trying to melt snow to get water. It just, it, it's, it's crazy. Um, seeing some of my friends who live there and uh, looking at some of what they have to see and explain, explaining how crazy it is, the devastation happening, it's heartbreaking and my thoughts are with them and everyone this last seven to ten days or so who's had to deal with these intense crazy conditions Texas or otherwise but it's been tough for sure so to introduce the topic for this episode I want to read you a little something quote I want to have kids, a husband, and I want to be a good wife and mother. I want my kids and husband and me to achieve a good education. To be able to achieve this, I'm going to have to study the gospel and the scriptures so I can teach my kids to obey." From what you've learned about me so far during this podcast, and those of you who may know me personally, does this sound like something I would say? Something I want? Well, it was when I was 14. That is an excerpt from a journal of mine I found, and reading it back gave me chills, caused me to pause, and I got angry. This is all I thought I was good for, for years. That I needed to find a husband, that I needed to get married, have kids, teach them everything I was taught so then they could go and do the same thing of getting married and... You know, being a wife and mother, teaching, you know, teaching my kids, their kids, everything they needed to know to obey. That I would need to obey my husband, you know, so on and so forth. It's sickening to me. This is the kind of thing that they constantly teach the young women and, you know, to a degree, the young men. But um, in terms of like getting married and, you know, having a family, but for the women... You know, finding that husband, having those children. It's what they teach in the Mormon church constantly. And it's hard to get that out of your mind, even after leaving the church. And I've been out for a while. It's so ingrained in you. Like being a wife and mother was so deep in my brain that even after I left the church, when I had my hysterectomy at age 29, I was still feeling like a failure because it meant I couldn't have kids, even when I knew I didn't want them, even when I knew I was gay. 
It was programmed so deep into my brain. You know what another word for that is? Brainwashing. As I've been going through my journals and other random letters and written pieces of, you know, childhood random stuff, I saw a pattern. It certainly would appear that I didn't think I was ever good enough. That I never was going to measure up to the expectations that were set upon me. Journal journal entry after journal entry. I was so critical of myself. And I was 14. Sometimes even younger than that. But, you know, we'll, we'll average it out to 14. Those are not things I should be worrying about at age 14. But I was trying to strive for perfection, as that is what the church taught me I needed to do. Well, guess what? Nobody's perfect. It's an impossible standard, and it's infuriating to think how hard I tried. One of the things that sparked me going to my journals and looking through some of my childhood items is someone in a social media group I am in mentioned the words patriarchal blessing. You may be asking yourself, well, what is that? Let me tell you. And I did pull this from the church's website. It says, every worthy baptized member is entitled to and should receive a patriarchal blessing which provides inspired direction from the Lord. Patriarchal blessings include a declaration of a person's lineage in the house of Israel and contain personal counsel from the Lord. As a person studies his or her patriarchal blessing and follows the counsel it contains, it will provide guidance, comfort, and protection. It goes on to say um, that those who have received a patriarchal blessing should read it humbly prayerfully, and frequently. It contains personal revelation and instructions from Heavenly Father who knows our strengths, weaknesses, and eternal potential. Patriarchal blessings may contain promises, admonitions, and warnings. Those who follow the counsel in their patriarchal blessings will be less likely to go astray and be misled. Can you see where I'm going with this? Continues to say, only by following the counsel in a patriarchal blessing can one receive the blessings contained therein. While a patriarchal blessing contains inspired counsel and promises, it should not be expected to answer all of the recipient's questions or to detail all that will happen in his or her life. If the blessing does not mention an important event, such as a full-time mission or marriage, the person should not assume that he or she will not receive that opportunity. Similarly, the recipient of the blessing should not assume that everything mentioned in it will be fulfilled in this life. I just rolled my eyes, by the way. Anyway, moving on. Says, a patriarchal blessing is eternal, and its promises may extend into the eternities. If one is worthy, all promises will be fulfilled in the Lord's due time. Those promises and blessings that are not realized in this life will be fulfilled in the next. Patriarchal blessings are sacred and personal. They may be shared with immediate family members, but should not be read aloud in public or read or interpreted by others. Not even the patriarch or bishop or branch president should interpret it. 
Those who have received a patriarchal blessing should treasure its words, ponder them, and live to be worthy to receive the promised blessings in this life and in the life to come. There is a lot to unpack there. So, let me just tell you, even if it's not actually written anywhere, these blessings have a stigma attached to them. How long is your blessing? How old were you when you got it? What blessings are promised in it? You know, so here's some detail on mine. I haven't been able to locate it. I, I had it at one point and I have no idea where I put it. So honestly, that's probably for the better. But because of that, I can't read it to you. As you heard me say, I'm technically not even supposed to, but I'm not a member of the church anymore. So anyway, it's not going to happen. I can't find it. I searched high and low. Um, but I was around the age of 16 when I got it. That is a fairly average, typical age. Um, although there is really no set, set age at which someone can get it. Uh, we're just advised that we need to be ready, uh, quote unquote ready, to receive the guidance and blessings that will be contained in it. So the length of a blessing is often critiqued. My blessing was short. It didn't give much detail. And the feelings and some comments I got, uh, you know, the feelings I had and some comments I got in the aftermath of it were damaging to me mentally. Even though you aren't supposed to read your blessings to others outside your immediate family, often uh, the length, you know, general detailed depth, such as, you know, oh, I, there was a lot of detail in mine, or, mm, you know, not as much on that in mine. You know, they didn't read it, but, you know, comparison in general, you know, terms is often discussed amongst friends. And among other people I knew that had theirs, you know, some of which were in my own family, my blessing was short and not very detailed. I felt guilty, a sense of, you know, guilt and shame around that, a sense of unworthiness, and some friends and even family made me feel like I must not have been ready to receive this inspiration. In a recent social media post for a group um, that is full of those who have, you know, either left the church, some some recently, some years ago, um, some who are just, you know, dealing with trying to figure out what they believe. In this social media group, I posted the following. Recently, I have been recalling the terrorizing event that was my patriarchal blessing. I remember that since my blessing was super short, that I was accused of not being ready, that I should have waited. I felt gross and unworthy. I was around 16, I think, in a room alone with a man I didn't know, nor have I seen since. Because it was short, and I wasn't in the room very long, when I came out, I saw the disappointed look on my family's face. These are the memories that haunt me. This blessing was made to feel like a huge milestone, and I had failed, or so I was told. Why didn't you listen to the spirit and wait until you were ready? I hate how much the church made me feel like a failure. I'm 33 now and I still remember this feeling of failure, like my blessing happened yesterday. So let me tell you, some of the comments I received on this have been so heartfelt and beautiful, and I just want to share a few of them. 
One comment said, There is so much stigma behind the patriarchal blessings. How old are you when you get it? How long is it? Which promised blessings are promised? I started questioning when my friend and I read ours to each other. We got them from the same patriarch. We had like three similar paragraphs. Okay, I, I don't know for sure, but I feel like that's probably pretty common. Um, and this may actually be one of the main reasons they don't want you to compare and contrast with friends. Another comment said, Mine was only one page, one page and a quarter of that is the intro crap that's on every patriarchal blessing. As for being ready, my missionaries took me just after I was baptized. Try not to let a made-up piece of paper make you feel bad. Just another type of control. Absolutely. 100% another type of control. Another comment said, Oh man, I totally get this. My patriarchal blessing sent me into years of depression for reasons I won't go into here. But after years of processing, I finally see it for what it really is. Ecclesiastical abuse and spiritual blackmail. Hallelujah. I threw my hands up when I, when I you know, read that because absolutely, 100% agree. Another comment says, so, so sorry. I do remember the, the thing about the length of the blessing being super important to people. How utterly ridiculous. Lucky for you, you're only 33 and you are free to live your life. Just remember it was long ago. Just words uttered by a man who didn't even know you. Saying words that he that they repeat to hundreds. Forget about it. And then finally, one of the one of the other comments I wanted to share was, "I never got mine because I never thought I was worthy. What happened to you was my worst nightmare." So those are just a few of what I received, and I received about sixty of them. And those who could relate to my frustration, guilt, and anger. Um, you know, they were able to relate to this event in my life. And being told it was my fault, I didn't get more revelation and direction in this blessing that there's, you know, more I could have done. Being told it was because I was unprepared. The looks, the judgment, it was awful. And I still remember it quite vividly. One of the things that you um, do in the Mormon church, and I know this is probably in other religions too, but again, I have to just go off of what I know. Every, the first Sunday of every month is called fast, fast and testimony meeting. And fasting to the Mormons is fasting two meals. It could technically be breakfast, lunch. It could be lunch, dinner. I mean, if you had medical conditions, there were some exceptions, but ultimately it's, that you know fasting what they said fasting for a purpose and that you would pray and fast for something specific and they asked or suggested I, I don't know if it was a requirement probably not but they suggested that you fast before getting your patriarchal blessing and I did that so I starved myself basically because I didn't know what fasting for a purpose really meant because I you know never received answers to anything. Um, one of the many things that made me start questioning the church. That warm, fuzzy feeling that they tell you is an answer to a prayer. I get that, you know, when I'm happy. I get that when something makes me feel good. I wouldn't call that divine inspiration. Anyway, I'm getting off track. So, 
those were just a few of the comments I received. Um, so in my search to find my actual blessing, which still has turned up empty, I did find some other things such as journals. And I also found a letter, which I had written to my parents when I was probably 17 or so. It's not dated, so I'm guessing on my age, but I know I was in high school. There was a local club that I wanted to go to on a Sunday. And Sunday was teen night. No alcohol or anything, which this club would normally serve alcohol, but it was teen night. My friends wanted to go and I wanted to go with them. So I felt I had to write a letter to my parents to convince them why this was okay for me to go. You know, if it had been on a Saturday or maybe even a Friday, I might have still had to do some explanation considering it was a club, but it was a club and it was a Sunday. And that's a no-go in the Mormon world. You stay home that day, except for, you know, the three hours of church. You don't go out, especially to a club. I'm not going to read the whole letter because it makes me cringe every time I do. But to give you an idea of what my mindset was at that time and how much I had to prove myself, here is a little little excerpt um, from, from this letter, which says, My friend is a good person. She doesn't do drugs and doesn't drink. None of my friends do. You should trust me to make good friends. And yes, I'm putting some attitude in that, but think of me as like a 16, 17-year-old teenager. There was attitude when, it, when I wrote it. Anyway, I feel like I constantly had to justify myself. Like I had to prove myself. I was a teenager doing teenage things. Whether it was the church, my family, or friends. I was never good enough and never was going to measure up to the perfection that was expected of me. Call it programming, call it brainwashing, it's basically the same thing. And it runs rampant in the Mormon church. I honestly didn't have a whole lot of my own thoughts. I was made to feel guilty if I didn't reach certain milestones in the church, you know, such as, you know, baptism, which I did get, going on a mission, didn't do, and honestly, being a woman, that wasn't as big of a one, but, you know, going on a mission, I didn't do, going to BYU, I did, um, although you're not by any means forced to go to BYU in terms of you're a Mormon, you're expected to go, it's, it's, it's almost a status symbol if you do, um, going through the temple, I didn't do, you know, and ultimately, I ended up leaving the church, but, there are certain milestones that I didn't reach. You know, I was made to feel like a complete failure if I didn't do X, Y, and Z and do them perfectly. Perfection is unattainable, and they expect you to constantly strive for perfection. They want you to do the impossible. Can you believe at one point in my adult years before I actually left the church, I was told... And this is, I'm paraphrasing here, but this is close to a quote. If you had a stronger testimony of the church and had more faith, maybe all those medical issues and your current issues wouldn't be happening to you. So according to this person, my medical issues were because I didn't have enough faith in God. B.S. So as you can see, um... You know, as a kid, going through my teenage years, even into an early, you know, early adulthood, you know, especially while I was at BYU, 
I was expected to constantly strive to be perfect. Even knowing that perfection isn't attainable in this life, according to the Mormons, they tell you that right out, right out front. And yet, if you fall short, you're judged. Tell me how that is fair. Tell me how that works. I'm going to leave it here for now. Don't forget, you can email me at lifeandpiecespodcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. That um, is all I have for you today. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Lindy. This is Life in Pieces. Until next time. <laughs>